Comedy Pods proudly presents Garrett Teitelbaum. It's nice to see he's working. Your face is an awkward break. Oh, your mom had an awkward break with your dad. No, they're still together. Are they? It's You're not re- from a broken home? Oh, I am. Oh, they just they stayed together. Yeah, it's really weird. Yeah. How long have they been married, your mom and pop? Don't know, don't care. Were you adopted? Mm, no. So you, you don't speak to them? That's correct. Really? Yes. Interesting. I, I mean, does that affect the character of an in, in, insect more or less than it does the human being? Mm-hmm. That's that's a fine question, but I don't know that I can legitimately answer that. I mean, you got to talk sort of double blind here. Do I am I fully aware of how much? I'm just getting thrown off by how great my voice sounds right now. I'm enjoying that. Thank you, Kevin. We are. That is the voice of Ian Insect, uh, local Pittsburgh comic, good friend of mine. Uh, in my new genesis as a stand-up comic here in the area, one of the more supportive, friendly faces that you'll meet. He hosts the Lava Lounge open mic every Monday at 10 o'clock. Does that show have a name? At the Lava Lounge, which, uh, again, takes place at 10, sign-ups right around 9.30. Ian's usually there eating a meatball sub, getting ready. And then he is also the host of his own podcast, is evil uh so is it is a full title ian insect is evil or just is evil uh ian insect is evil okay and what made you want to name your podcast that are you jealous that you didn't think of it first because art of the covenant (laughs) top notch (laughs) podcast name i think I'm okay where I'm at. Ian Insect is Evil, hosted by Garrett Teitelbaum, might be a little long. <laughs> it's confusing. Yeah. Although I really want you to guest host an episode now. I'd just be to, happy to. Just film. to make that happen. Absolutely. Um, we'll, we'll get all the questions out of the way. Yeah, I'm sure that my household, my dysfunctional family, and my sort of abusive parents definitely influence. They influence a lot of jokes. I'm not so sure that they've influenced the character. Um, but definitely things started out... like. It's weird. I always have this uh, habit of instead of inching towards something I want, I go all out and then I start pulling back. So it used to be really quiet, really weird, you know, really dry. Uh, And people would mistake that for self-deprecating. So I think it seemed like it was more of a... uh, uh, Seemed like it was more of a self-deprecating or, you know, depressive... He says as he admires his reflection in his phone. More of a depressive character, more of a depressive setup. But no, I mean, there's a lot of jokes at the um, at, at my parents' expense. Uh, so why would I want to name it again? Insect is evil. I, is, no one ever lets me give a full explanation, and I promise not to draw it out as much as I possibly could. I will let you if you want to. But Ian Insect is Evil, first off, that's, a, that's actually, it's memorable and catchy. People do not forget it. True. People used to ask me just about the stage name, too. And that's also catchy, just that alliteration. But that also has a more, you know, psychological, interactive genesis. But people, 
get bored with that and you know it's pretentious and all that but it, it both of both of those ideas definitely have uh, strong roots in in carefully considered you know considerations through distancing yourself from a toxic environment um i wouldn't say i've distanced it i've definitely carried the to- toxicity with me uh but I guess evil, it's, it's inverted and reflective. It's, it, consider, it considers my position in the world. I've had a lot of experiences, and especially right when uh, the guys at Epicast approached me to do the show and were like, try and think of a title maybe in a week or two. It definitely was at a point, and it's not self-pity. It's not trying to make myself look bad or feel bad but i've had a lot of interactions with people where it's and this is true of all human interaction it's just easier to project all of the badness in the world or in a particular situation onto someone else and say well this happened because they're bad not because oh there was you know some sort of conflict of interest or you know because people didn't see eye to eye it's like no this is a bad person so i think it sort of came from that and uh you know, just sort of embracing that, and also there's a there's a cheekiness about it. It also the initial concept of the show, which we still have yet to really approach, was that I would have on guests, you know, from more fringe culture uh, in the city, and discuss less popular views of topics. So even conceptually, the show was supposed to be a little. Uh, combative or uh you know provocative sure and then for those who haven't had the chance to listen to it yet ian does panel with usually three guests sometimes two um but where they kind of interview each other and it's more discussion based with a with a team of people who may not know each other prior to coming into the studio that day yep between that and i i feel like you are more of a character than almost anybody else in the pittsburgh stand-up community maybe alex uh, stapula as well do you ever feel like the format that you've chosen for your act or for your podcast has inhibited you from trying different things do you find them restrictive at all Mm, no actually the podcast the podcast is edited uh which i think some people would you know cite as in in authenticity but it's mostly just for time is i want it to be you know less than an hour sure actually closer to 30 minutes is ideal because i think people have a pretty short attention span when it comes to that sort of thing uh so point being is that you have all of this content and i'm selective selectively you know boiling it down to represent what i think the show should be so no i don't think the format of the show is inhibiting in fact i would like it to be a little more focused a little more i guess gimmicky i'd like to have some sort of hook uh, aside from just sitting people down and talking to them and aside from the hook of my personality but there are occasions where bits i've tried haven't worked because of my character but it's it it's uh, what in constant development and i'm more at the end of the day i'm much more proud and much happier to be doing what i am than sort of acquiescing to something a little more generic sure 
when you said initially you are somebody who goes full throttle at something and then dials back, um, as far as your character goes, at least at open mics, um, obviously I've obviously seen now, maybe it's because I'm around more often, that you're not doing the full makeup. You're maybe not in costume or character, especially when you're hosting. Um, was that kind of a conscious choice that you were going to take that aspect of the character away a little bit? No, and that's definitely not gone away. Um, even when I first uh, started, and this was not even... When I first started, I was actually in drag. I actually would do dresses and stuff, too. Really? I mean, light drag, I guess. But, like, you know, go this full route. And I would... It was really cheap because I would make jokes about that. And I think that that's one of the cheapest things you can do is the I look Here's like my gimmick. joke. Yeah. Um, so... It's been dialed back, but even even when I started, there would be days that I just didn't feel like putting on the makeup, and it, it's a you know it's time consuming and everything. Um, but lately, just I haven't had time. And when I'm hosting, that's even a, a different avenue because I'm not representing my own brand. If I'm hosting something, it it generally means someone has asked me to do that. And you're representing someone else. So there are these, I think, sort of business approaches to what you're doing. Like, yeah, I am. It is me. And they are asking this person to host. Uh, like tonight, I shouldn't, I shouldn't date the podcast. But um, so for Rant Spirit, it's supposed to be like, I was specifically, it was told to me, like, we're specifically asking you because, you know, you're so far left field and you're so out there uh so i fully intend to do full makeup and and all that so i I wouldn't say i've taken it away there are just certain periods of time where i feel less like doing it so yeah in the last like couple weeks it's probably been less sure um do you feel like that's an adjustment that you make like do you feel like any of the stuff that you did when you were in drag would still work in this character you do now like, do you still keep any of the same bits? Or at this point, you've been doing comedy how many years? Uh, close to four. Okay. Um, so at that point, most of that material is probably dated and tried, and you've kind of grown out of, I would think. That's awful. Yeah. If you That's look back awful. on your first few months. Yeah. I, um, I did, for whatever reason, I decided I was going to leave Chicago. Okay. I had moved out there, and I decided I was going to leave. I just got bored. But Now, are you from Pittsburgh originally? That is correct. What part of the area? Suburbs. That's very generic. Thank you, Ian. I was looking for a county or a town or a high school. Uh, Plum. Plum. The Plum Borough. Okay. Yeah. I have family from Murraysville, Franklin Regional folk. Um, and we were. They, I was taught uh, at an early age that to refer to you as Plum Scum. Yep. Okay. I don't, yep. Okay. <laughs> Still carry that with me. No, you? you want to talk about toxicity. That hurts. That is influenced. Being called Plum Scum once in my entire life has influenced... Uh, more bitter self-deprecation than all of my other horrible childhood. Wow. Of all the names you've ever been called, yeah, that's the one really, that hurt the really most. Stuck with me. Um. So that's where I'm from, and then I what? Then I moved into the city when I was 20. Okay. And then went to Chicago for about four years, and made the uneducated. <laughs> decision to leave but it wasn't until i left that i started really embracing all of these opportunities i'd been doing this uh i'd been doing a lot of music open mics 
And then uh, for about the last six months, six to eight months that I was living there, like from the moment I decided to move, I said, well, I'm going to start going out. So I would actually, that for some reason prompted this reaction in me to go out to do poetry slams, which I was awful at. A poem. And a poem. <laughs> from Ian Insect. Were you going by Ian Insect at an early age? Was Insect your, your surname? No. I didn't. I don't know. <laughs> Is your define, name really Ian? <laughs> define early age. I guess 21, 22 when you first made it to Chicago. No, 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 no. When I was 21, I was living in the city of Pittsburgh. Oh, okay. I moved from the suburbs. I didn't go to Chicago until uh, I was like years old. Oh, okay. And then you spent four years there and came back yeah. to Pittsburgh. How long ago? Uh, hmm. Oh, 2009. Uh, I, w- w- um, about three years ago. You've been back for three years? Yeah. Okay. So I started, and I started just on that tail end going to Mike's. So, I mean, was I developing the same character, et cetera, et cetera? No, I was, but I was going to Mike's and doing really terrible jokes, and they weren't, you know, working. So I guess if you want to, if you want to include it as just sort of like figuring out, the character and jokes that's probably are you telling me to stop yeah please stop clicking the pen i keep hearing it i'm trying to be polite and do it off mic and just being subtle about it but (laughs) i'm not the sound guy but it bothered me i wouldn't want to listen to that goddamn noise now what do i do with my hands though i don't know hold them together put them on the table you can write with the pen i just would like the clicking to go away (laughs) For audio's sake. You could edit it out. Yeah, I'm going to go through the whole episode bit by bit and take out pen clicks. That's what I do. Well, you are a more dedicated comedian and podcast editor than I. God, Ian Insect. The creation of the role that is Ian Insect. How much does your sexuality play a role in the development of the character you want to portray to the audience? Um, increasingly more in response to the audience. Like I said, when I start, I started this very, I started very cheap because I didn't know that I wanted to be a stand-up. I was just doing it to do it because I would go to this one place that was this very wide open mic so far, so much so that they actually even had karaoke. Like, so it was this huge blend of musicians and a couple comics. And I started by doing poetry and decided one day I wanted to try stand-up and my jokes were awful and a lot of it was about sexuality and just really cheap you know gay jokes and, and stuff like that so then when I started writing material the idea was that the idea was to make it weirder I'd always like sort of relied on this ethos of um Asking, asking one solitary, one solitary question that if uh, comedy's art, which a lot of comics would claim it is, sure, why can't it be abstract? So I would come up with these really ridiculous stories and concepts that had no basis in reality. Or I mean, I mean, in so much that they weren't based on actual experiences I had. But conversely, everything has some sort of basis in reality, right? Did that baby really drown? <laughs> in affection oh good uh, i was at one baby shower in my entire life <laughs> is that where you wrote the joke 
No, I actually have no recollection of writing that joke. It's just something you've had as long as time has been around. I think it's I think it's one of those jokes that I just came up with as I was sort of falling asleep. That and the suicide note. Uh, sure. Those are jokes that came to me as I as I a, a lot of less successful jokes also have come to me <laughs> as I was falling asleep. Uh, for the uh, the listeners who don't know, would you care to do? The, I don't want to make you do bits here on the air, but for context. So I don't I don't think my sexuality played into it at first, um, and then it just became an unavoidable aspect. So I do, I like to play with expectations and I like to at least address it to take it off the table. Um, and if it suits a joke, then I'll absolutely do it. And I did really revel in it for a little while um, of just like making the most vulgar, you know, puns and, and things I could. Uh, so, I mean, I guess to a degree you got you are bound by what works and what people want to hear, but it's also tailoring what they want to hear. Uh, I mean, the idea of a joke not working or a crowd not being good, that still all falls on the comedian's Absolutely, shoulders. Sure. Yeah. Um, uh, I was at a baby shower. Uh, the baby drown. <laughs> In affection. Uh, and then the baby was smothered by its mom. For the next 16 years. Until one day, she found the baby hanging. She cut it down. And she said, that's not how you do it. And uh, here we are. Wow. <laughs> I like it because it's always different twists and turns. And as you've said before, even if the same comics are always going to be there and they've heard your stuff 500 times, you're doing it for the three people in the audience who don't know what they're getting into yeah and it's a fun setup and non sequitur and you've got that and you've got a poem you've got (laughs) what i what i call what i call catchphrase comedy with your boy um swive was i supposed to say what swive stand up swive stand (laughs) it was swive stand up wow I'm up. I'm up. <laughs> it's your boy. So <laughs> I I love all aspects of it, but it's because it makes your show more interactive. You want the audience <laughs> to feel like they're a part of the artwork, um, which I think is always fun to, to play with those expectations. It's way more fun when you say that you've got a poem and oh. Kevin and Krish <laughs> and me and a good handful of other people are in the back of the room and we all yell back at you. Right. A poem. A poem. It's so much more fun to play in the space where people know your catchphrases and know the Swive <laughs> and are members of the Swive Nation. So, <laughs> I, I the Swive pulls, yeah, the the, the, the Swive pulls. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm sure it has to be a conscious choice, but do you constantly look for new ways to involve those sorts of things and catchphrases into your work, or is it just you've got your core three things at this point? Um. I guess at the at the time, I still remember. Okay, so uh, at the very at the page one Genesis. Okay, uh, motherfuckers be farting out their dicks like all goddamn day. I was I still remember how I came up with that. It was actually part of not even a bit I was writing, but I was talking to a friend about her dog, 
and just comparing her. She had two dogs, and I said, that one looks, he acts like he'd be a prop comic, and this one seems like he'd be really dirty, you know, Def Jam-style comic, and it was this whole just sort of riffing bit. Is this okay? You can snap. Is this, yeah. Okay. Is, don't do it like you're doing <laughs> the pen like an excessive amount. Uh, I have, I have an excess amount of energy. I have to. That's what happens when you sleep till two o'clock. Yeah, yeah. I I could probably tack on another two hours. <laughs> well, thanks for coming down to the studio today. Um, uh, so, motherfuckers, before I know they dicks like all goddamn day started as just a, a joke, not even a, a bit that a bit that I was writing. And I went to Smiling Moose, and this was after the mic had been, the mic stopped, but it was a part of a show that I was on, and I, you know, introduced it as just saying it. I just leaned into the mic after a joke, and I just said, motherfuckers, be fine now, they dicks, like, all goddamn day. Leaned away from the mic, leaned back, and I said, oh, that's just my catchphrase. So it was very, I was very <laughs> conscious of the idea of, of, I, you know, I guess making fun of catchphrases. Sure. How it didn't, it had, and and doing it decontextualized, it made no sense. It had no Without, appeal. Right, with no context, it's just such an odd sentence to hear. It's still silly and fun. Yeah, and people laughed at it then, that night, when I first broke it out. And so it's always sort of been something in my back pocket. And at a certain point, you know, it becomes something people expect. Someone saw me, at, I, I was at the library, and someone came up to me and said, Sir, saw you it. can't look at that on our computers. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, but it's my web page. And they're like, exactly. Yeah. Someone said, I, I saw you do comedy. I didn't even realize I, I had picked it up. Honestly, <laughs> I didn't even realize it. That do you need me to take it from you? <laughs> yeah, that might be best. That's fine. I'm the same way with a lot of stuff, so don't worry. This is my pen. I'll put your pen near my pen, and... Um, don't worry. I've got certain neuroses too. I used to be a pen clicker. The, my biggest one that I'm guilty of constantly, and I have been since I was a kid. You're taking out pens from your bag. <laughs> oh, it's a twist. Good yeah. for the best. So, um, if I'm sitting and I can see my reflection, um, my parents had to move me at the dinner table so I was no longer next to a window where I could watch myself at night. I will just watch myself talk in our conversation. I will lose all eye contact with you if there's a mirror across the way. So like doing your mic at, at um, Lava Lounge, I have to be very conscious not to look <laughs> to the left because you can see yourself in the reflection over there um, because I will just perform to myself and I've been doing it since I was a kid. Brackets, masturbation joke, and brackets. There you go. <laughs> Thanks for not taking the easy ones. Yeah. Uh, but I guess catchphrases started as a joke on catchphrases and, um, so I actually totally lost my train of thought because I <laughs> subconsciously picked up the pen. Um, what I was going to equate what you do sometimes cause you have so many bits that I've seen over the last, you know, year and a half since I've been loosely around the, the community where like this past Wednesday at Nico's you did shiv dick which I haven't seen in months. It's almost like a guy who chases like Dave Matthews band or fish for like certain <laughs> songs to find their way into the set list. When I was like, he's doing shiv dick. This is great. I know this one play the hits. 
Um, or like doing the war bit, or like we've talked about before, that's a fun pop song. People know it, people get it, and sure. you can build inside of that world sure. to get them interested. Another, so there are just a few core concepts that I rely on heavily, and one of them is uh, the exact opposite of what the war bit does. I had to finally just accept that people like that and do it because it works, but I really do my best to avoid anything that would it, it boils down to like timeliness versus timelessness the idea that uh you have you have jokes that rely so heavily on on being done in the here and now jokes that you have to and and I am not a fan of them any anything that's about what's in the news which people most everyone thinks that's cheap but additionally anything that the the laugh comes from you know, X value of pop culture reference or specific brand name of something. I think people laugh just out of recognition. So doing that, doing that bit based on the Edwin Starr song uh, is, is really a huge compromise because it works. If it hadn't worked so well the first time I did it, and that's how a lot of my bits, if they have a great reaction the first time I do them, then they'll stay. I will shelf something if it bombs the first time, which is sort of like counterintuitive for most com uh, comics. But I, I am, I guess I think sort of two ideas together. I will do that, but I'll also, I'm willing to try out anything. So even the, the most whimsical idea that comes into my mind, I will try it. Yeah. And so, and I don't remember how, a poem started. I, th I, I remember I wanted to, um, I guess at some point I wanted to do the actual poem. And I think I tried it once or twice, just like I'm going to read a poem. And it just happens to be about scabies. And it's, and, but it actually happens to be about my mom. Uh, but like the fictional Ian Insects mom, not, it, it's Your weird birth mother yeah okay. it, that's that's weird like in that particular uh setup i'm not really talking about my mom i'm talking about your mom i don't know do, how much of a fictional backstory for the character of ian insect do you have in your mind that the world will never know about there was a gigantic backstory and it's probably still there on um a, a less conscious level but the idea at first, when I first started, is I would tell myself, you know, it's all about building a character first, building a backstory. And I remember I had a joke, and it never got one laugh. And actually, uh, if you remember at Art House, I was telling a story about how I was heckled at James Street by another comic, and I never could figure out who it was. And Chris finally revealed who it was. But I was heckled in the middle of, of a joke I was doing about how, and this was another one that came to me as I was falling asleep. As a jazz legend, I said, ah, you, you probably you know recognize me from being a, a jazz legend. People asked me how I got my start. And well, I walked up to jazz and no one was there. So I, I knocked on the door and no one answered. And you know, I shouted through the window, rang the bell, no one answered. And so I just let myself in and there you go. And it was literally just something I'd thought of while falling asleep. And to me, it seemed so absurd. It didn't make me laugh or anything. And I don't think it's ever made anyone laugh. But 
there was this idea of I even had a part of the character that uh, turns out a lot of people do about uh, I had a psychiatrist that I was seeing and a lot of jokes were set up that way uh, but she had a twin sister who was my agent and part and there was this entire joke about how I was uh, seeing a psychiatrist and told me to get an agent and I got an agent and I already had an agent who was her twin sister who was telling me to go see a psychiatrist and then it turns out that neither of them existed and so there was this at first again it was highly conceptual and it was this development of, of backstory and people don't like jokes that they're not in on sure people aren't willing to listen to a setup at least at a mic if you go to the right crowd uh like the people at club cafe would every be more morning. willing to receive that and i had to work to get them to that point where they're willing not that not through anything other than good faith by coming and and doing bits that I knew worked for a long time, for at least a year with them of saying, here's, here's the hits, here's stuff that's very well thought out. And instead of taking advantage of 10 minutes and just rambling, now they're willing to go with me uh, and let me do something. And they even are very encouraging, like I did. I had this joke, it's really long and involved, and it's so hard to do at a mic because you get five minutes. This joke is like over 20 minutes long. And they let me do it over three parts. Like, I would actually conclude by, like, you know, a to be continued. And people would come back the next week and, like, are you going to do Neighbors again this <laughs> week? And so just – and that's, that's again, a real backstory joke where the, the humor isn't so much in a turn of phrase or anything that you'd expect, but in the absurdity of the construction of the story. Yeah, the constraints of an open mic, especially with the way that you do storytelling and these bigger setup type concepts, I feel like we've discussed before, you end up doing the hits up top, and by the time you're three and a half minutes in, you've kind of run out of time to try out something new, that you've got like books and books of old material that you'll, you've never been able to, to put on stage or never been able to develop the way you would want to. Because you are doing so much setup for who Ian is um, and the way you utilize the space better than most comics who are just standing there and talking. You're taking the stand and you're going and getting in people's faces and spilling drinks on them and um, any number of things that can be. I'm not sure if I've ever spilled a drink on anyone. If I have, then that's really. This past I'm Wednesday at Nico's, you spilled that guy's drink um, when you were doing Shivdick. Not like his whole beer, but you you hit the table and beer flew up on him. Oh, okay, good. Yeah. <laughs> good. <laughs> I was doing karaoke about three months ago and did that and actually knocked over someone's beer. You'd think I'd learn, but I just get carried away, I guess. Well, you're, you know, an eccentric fool. I guess. What was your karaoke song that night? Do you remember what you the, were doing? Uh, I, I went up for like six rounds. Oh, okay. I, I you have a catalog? Know. Yeah. Uh, I was doing life during wartime. Okay. Talking head song. Yeah, absolutely. Which is good that I spilled the drink because I'd already been, I was far gone by that point and was not good on the lyrics and was screwing up a lot and like transposing lines. If that, if you were going to be in a karaoke contest, would that be your go-to? What, no. What's your like, I need to win this round to advance to the final song? I was in a karaoke contest about six months ago. Um, and those don't, those are sort of rare, but... I'm not a great singer. I don't have a great voice or a great range, and I've never been trained. Um, 
so I rely on this on on you know my performing capabilities when it comes to that. Why are we talking about this like it's a serious art form? Karaoke as yeah. an art, <laughs> but I so for this contest, uh, I what was the first round? The first round I remember. I did Freedom by Wham. Good choice. Not, not Freedom 90, not the George Michael song. Uh, two very different. Two the original different. Candle in the Wind, not the Princess Diana version. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, they're two entirely different songs with two entirely different choruses and hooks and all that. Like but Ignition and the Ignition remix, very different. Yeah. Yeah. I, so for the, for the day of the contest, like I'd made it through the preliminaries and I said, okay, I have to rely on something that's very theatrical, blah, 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 blah. So I ended up going with uh, Herod's song from Jesus Christ Superstar. Okay. Doesn't really rely on singing well. But I don't know. I, uh, story jokes, it, a lot of it also falls on me. I just, I work better when I have a script to go from. And almost uh, paradoxically, the more constraints placed upon me, the, m the more grounded I am and the more I know I can, uh, you know, sort of, I know where and when I can sort of stretch out and come back then uh, to the, the script itself. And I know where I can sort of, you know, head out and spill drinks on people and walk away from the mic and stuff like that if I have that script. So something like War, where it's a lot of words or the, the dream bit or the, you know, where I ideally want to get off book. Right. You know, it's on me because I need to write that stuff down and I need to memorize it and I just don't put the effort in a lot of times. But that's my, that's sort of the phase I'm in now is... You know, there was a long time of developing the character up top, uh, paralleling what you said. Uh, this, I guess, fake ass career. Or, you know, I feel I feel uncomfortable calling it a career at this point. I, I would love for it to be, but I think it's it comes off as delusional if you just call it unapologetically a career. Do you have to make a certain amount of money before you feel comfortable throwing that word around? I, I guess that's the end idea. It's a uh, monicum of success that you need to reach. I'm getting there, and I tend to be very negative about my success, but when you look at it objectively, I host a mic, which I'm really, and that, that had been my target room forever, and I, I love Dylan. I think he, I think he was a fine host, and he was, he's a friend of mine, and I think he's a great guy, and I think he's a lot of fun, and I think he just got burnt out on it, and I can totally see that, but that had been my, even when there's no one there and I, was, I wasn't hosting, all that stuff. I still love that room. So I'm hosting a mic in probably my favorite room. As far as all the ones right now that offer mics, that's my favorite room. I also love Beer Hive, even though this past Wednesday was just, oh. I have yet to do a show at Beer Hive. It's a really tough room. That's what no I've heard one's from ever many. there. Yeah. yeah. You either have an empty room or you have a room full of people who are there to eat and watch whatever the game team is, is on. on. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I love the setup of it. It's one of those rooms that you write, you know, in people's faces. And I don't particularly... Part of the development of the character isn't necessarily to... to I don't try on purpose to make people feel uncomfortable. Rather, I want them to be comfortable with what I'm doing. And they're intrinsically, generally, uncomfortable with it. So I'm not trying to create discomfort. 
I'm trying to create a comfort or an acceptance or whatever you want to call it of what I'm presenting of this idea of, you know, not all comedy has to be just some guy talking about how stupid the world is or this stupid phrase we use. So just like with my sets, you said the first three and a half minutes are building this character, getting people in this zone with me. The first year or so, uh, I was building this character and then it was all these one-liners, all these jokes that I loved and just sort of committing those to memory so I can just rapid fire off a bunch of, of puns and one-liners and enjoy that. And then the next phase started with this, uh, with these longer bits and the more conceptual bits. And now I'm just trying to, uh, come up with the, you know, actually script out these longer, larger ideas that I've had on the shelf for months or over a year. I used to be, when I first moved back, I was a dishwasher. So I'd come up with these concepts and they've just been on the shelf. Now, do you think in terms of just the character, or are you trying to plan for, you know, a 20-minute set, a 30-minute set? Are you trying to building block your hour? What do you kind of have as the ultimate goal for how this is progressing now in your current state as the character? Mm, I guess probably more the latter, closer to building a set, but it's more than anything just giving life to these bits and concepts and testing them out, seeing if they work, Uh, you know, because... Any any idea, if it's great, can sort of be pared down if you just need to put it in a five-minute set or just need to do a section of it. There should be enough humor in that that you can get away with doing that kind of thing. Um, and I guess I do tend to stretch out and go m- much longer than I think. I look at a page of text and I say, okay, that's good, like three minutes maybe, and it ends up being you know double or three times oh, sure. on stage. So I guess, yeah, building building a set and trying to create longer bits that are, you know, more accessible and just seeing what ideas work. Now you have a background in art history. Uh, did you do your undergrad here in Pittsburgh before you moved to Chicago? Okay. Yep. Point Park or University of Pittsburgh. U Pitt, okay. Yeah. Maine. U Pitt, Maine, Oakland campus. 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 Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a nice time. And literature. And yes. art and literature. Arts and literature. Yeah. Outside of the comedic fields in art, who do you feel like you've been basing this persona on? Outside of uh, stand-up, yeah. yeah. Outside of stand-up, are there people that you obviously would look at as say that's certainly where this aspect comes from? I will be doing a joke. Uh, I, I for a while was doing a joke about like how I had a roommate, but the joke is that it turns out that I was actually you know kidnapped and held against my will <laughs> you know but the joke being i'm so dim-witted that i didn't know you know uh and it got shelved because it was not getting a lot of laughs and it's in its state and it'll come back out someday because i like the concept of it and i like the the yeah. structure of it but uh i would open that by saying when i was one in 20 which is a uh an a.e houseman the the opening line of a.e houseman's most famous poem the title of which i'm not sure uh at the moment but uh, so I like making these embedded references and allusions. Uh, I have a joke uh, that I sort of base the structure on uh, occurrence at Owl Creek Bridge, the Ambrose Beer story. Uh, so, and I never want to make a joke contingent upon that knowledge. It's more self-satisfactory. And if someone catches 
what what I do, that's great. And it's a little, you know, wink and a nod that we can share. Um, as far as people who uh, I follow, I think minimalism, uh, it's, it's my favorite art form and I like to consider. So I think it's probably more that I am rationalizing what I do to fit inside the ethos of minimalism, but it's probably not. But the idea like that silence and, you know, the idea of a one-liner, like how, how much can you say with how few words, you know, but that's not really minimal. It's just one-liners, you know. Kevin O'Brien, our fact checker here in the studio. The research department. Yeah. So it's just titled Poem 13, and it's the 13th out of the 63 poems of a Shropshire lad. Shropshire lad. Yeah, that's, that is where, what I was trying to think of. But thank you very, very much, Kevin. KOB. It's your boy. It's, it's, it is your boy. He's definitely your boy status. Oh, yeah. Um, He's in the Swive Nation. Oh, absolutely. Swive Verified. Berg, Berg Veriswived. It's almost like being Twitter verified, you know. You just want to get Swive verified. Yeah, absolutely. You should definitely get that Swive checked out. Whoa. Whoa. Uh, I, uh, I think uh, the silence uh, comes from... This is such a specific example. And again, even in my life, I hate like referencing bands that, you know, uh, no, someone might not have known this. I... I really want to be as broad reaching as possible, which is paradoxical because I'm, I have the narrowest, <laughs> uh, audience, the narrowest, uh, uh, what do you want to call it? Accessibility. Yeah. Do you think, <laughs> it, anyone. do you think it's tough to be smarter than everyone you talk to, or at least think that you're smarter than everyone that you're talking to? Do you think I think that sometimes? Sure. At least the way you present these, these big ideas, like I, I have no problem doing, I'm still in my first year, but talking about stuff that's going on in the world right now. Like, not I don't say what's in the news, but I I'm I'm I am pulling bits. I have written set lists while watching the you know eleven o'clock news at the end of the night um, to to see what's going on locally to see if that would be interesting to touch points on. Yeah, and I don't think one's better than the other, and I don't think that the fact that I avoid it makes me smarter. I, I think that that's just a personal preference that I've chosen. And probably I'm more influenced by what's going on around me than I realize. Sure. But I just... Your references might be to Kierkegaard. Mine might be to, you know, pop hits from Ace of Base. Ace of Base is fun. And, and that's the thing. Is <laughs> Thanks <laughs> for yeah. approving of Ace of Base, Dan. No, but I, I, think, I think people base too much of their... People who base too much of their material on something that happened this week... Uh, are going to find it hard to bring that material out in six months. You don't want to do Cecil the Lion stories yeah. in 2016. Exactly. Sure. Um, I don't think anything I do makes me smarter. I think I know a lot of words, and I think I use a lot of words. And one of my favorite styles of joke uh, is like the war bit or the train bit, where you're using, where there's just all these words, and it ends up being a very, a lot of words to explain a very simple concept. And so people are right there on the concept and the joke becomes like just this hyper verbosity. Do you have a favorite word? Hyper verbosity. Hyper verbosity. That's not a bad one. I like aesthetic. Aesthetic's a good word too. But only when it's spelled aesthetically with the, with the A, with the unpronounced A. As it should be. Yeah. As the way the Lord intended it when he wrote it in Merriam-Webster's book. Yes, he did. 
That's him putting the word in the book. Boom. So yeah, every Monday night at 10 o'clock. You've been hosting that show now for how many months? Uh, two-ish. Two-ish months. Any advice for me as someone who's about to launch a weekly um, hosting gig here at the wide open stage downstairs at Cativo? Um, well, that was a great, that was a great self bump. First off, uh, congratulations on that. Where's that again? When's that again? It's Thursday nights uh, at eight o'clock. Comics show up at seven thirty for sign up, but it's at Cativo on Forty Fourth Street in Lawrenceville. Awesome. I, I, I don't know. I think uh, advice. I, the way I run my mic, I just try and make it fair. I just, I'm not a big fan of anyone who. Uh, displays overt favoritism and says, oh, well, this person walked in. They can just go straight up. You know, I, I try and keep things equitable. Uh, as the host, I try to keep things moving. Sometimes I do get a little distracted or derailed. That happens. Um, I guess it's important to keep everyone, to keep everyone's interests in mind, to, uh, you know, make sure because the comics are just there to go up. They they don't care about anything else other than their time. They're right. there to do their time, and they couldn't give a damn about anything else. The audience just wants to laugh. They don't care who or how or anything like that. So just keep the crowd happy. Keep the show moving. Uh, you know, and maintain a a good relationship with the. Uh, with the staff, I guess. I yeah. don't know. Is there any stress to how much material you, you want to get in up front? Because obviously you still want to work on your stuff, but your ultimate goal is to facilitate and to get the show as a whole to be the way that the bar would want it to be. I, I try actually not to do material up front because of two reasons. Uh, a lot of people will come down. There's the showcase at pleasure bar right beforehand so there is sort of this late uh wave of people coming in can i still get on the list and so i'm i'm probably hosting t- average of 20 comics a week which is i mean that's it's no ham bones no but, but that's a good number it's it's a fine it is a fine number 20s looking is is exactly where i'm looking to cap the thursday night show when we start this week um although it will already be on not again gunshot not necessary we can add those sound flicks later <laughs> Sound sound of flicks. Yeah, sound like like it's like Netflix with for sound sound oh, effects. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I I so I try not to do material for that reason to just keep time. Uh, also, um, if I you know riff too much in between comics, then it sort of evens out. But third reason is if there are still people there at the end or near the end, uh, there tends to be a late wave of audience too. So I will take that time because it's one of two things. Either there's no audience and it's just as empty as it was at the beginning or, you know, new people come in or people who've been there for a little while, maybe a little warmed up, a little drunk. And so I try and just throw my material at the end and I'll try and get 10 in at some point. Do a a solid 10 towards the end of the night? Yeah, and and usually work on one of these new longer bits. Uh which I'm referring to as uh, convincing cases in favor of nonsense. I like that. That would be a good album title for you. People still do albums? Yeah. On, um, on, on Soundflix? 
on Soundflix, we have tons of comedy albums. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, yeah, cool. yeah you, can, you can subscribe um, if you want to. No pressure. Where do I sign up? Uh, for Soundflix? Uh, oh, no, for the mic at 7.30. Where is that again? Oh, at Cativo downstairs uh, from where we record this show. It will be every Thursday for forever. That's what I told two women last night as we were walking out because I had done an improv show downstairs mm-hmm. and they were riding up on their bicycles. Um, yeah, they, they were. Yeah, they were like, hey, is there dancing in there? And I go, no, not really. And they said, oh, that's what we were looking to do. And I said, well, if you're looking to laugh every Thursday <laughs> starting this week for forever, I'll be here hosting a show. <laughs> get get you some business cards. I need to get, so the Swive has business cards. Very, very Swived. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and did you design that logo yourself with the eyelashes? Yes, I did. Okay. Do you have a graphic design background or it's just a hobby of yours you've picked up? Uh, I had a very clear idea for a year. I remember last year I initially conceived it. And again, it just, just sat on the shelf and I never bothered doing it. But Which is good because then I came up with the idea to add the eyelashes. And then I said, well, how many eyelashes? I said, wait, they should spell out my name. And that's how that happened. Okay. I just had an idea and I stuck with it. Stuck with it. But I do like uh, when when I'll have a show, which is not often, but any anything on online or in print that requires any kind of design, any poster or anything, I love to reach out to anyone I might know who is an artist because they need to eat too. Right. Uh, and so I've gotten a couple wonderful, excellent, amazing posters from people over the past couple years. Awesome. Besides me coming into the scene, what's the what's the biggest uh, growth and benefit that you've seen Pittsburgh comedy have since you've come back from <laughs> Chicago? Uh, well, when I left when I left here for Chicago, I was not at all involved with comedy. Um, I was in a band, but that's neither here nor there. You look like a front man or a bass player. We're both. You were a frontman bass player, like a Paul McCartney type? No, I, I didn't play bass. Oh. My man, my boy, Mark Carosi, played bass. Uh, but so, so um, the biggest growth, I don't know, since moving back, I, I guess I think the Pittsburgh Comedy Festival is an easy answer. That's a neat thing, but... That's that's the thing, and I guess this is probably this is an evil opinion. This is where we go. I don't I don't think that there's a broad-reaching growth because I think I like that there are more mics, but I want to see them get support. I want to see there be a consistent availability of of mics every day. And I, you know, I think that the the growth is really particular. I think there are some people who are experiencing more success, and some people who are limited. And I think. Th- there is sort of this schism. I like the idea that there's actually, I don't like the idea that there's two scenes, but I like the idea, I guess that's, that's the answer. There we go. We talked through it is, is the growth I've seen is that there is more of a burgeoning, which actually does have a little bit to do with you. Uh, not even being sarcastic, just more people who are artistically minded and viewing comedy as, you know, uh, a multi-layered art form. Like I get that stand-up comedy is an art. I will agree for the sake of, of, of argument or whatever. I'll agree to that. But I like seeing, I like seeing that there are more people figuring out, figuring out more ways to do comedy than just uh, sort of a riffy monologue. 
uh, on things that have, uh, you know, well-worn territory. I like the people uh, in the city, uh, and I like seeing more avenues for that, more, uh, just more growth in the idea uh, of this other voice. Well, and they're very different um, improv community and stand-up community and sketch community here in town, and it's nice that they're starting to kind of intermingle, and I think the festival does play a big role in that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, having the opportunity to do stuff with each group, um, I I kind of came in with the mindset that I wasn't going to change who I was on stage versus with my improv friends and people I have worked with there and w- interacting with stand-ups, where it can be very, you know, put down to to kind of build each other up. It's it's more like a bully sort of mentality amongst this boys' club and and a handful of very talented female comics too. But uh, this mentality that, you know, you have to rib people in order to, to become cool. I'm, I'm a hugger. I'm not going to not be a big emotional guy. And I'm going to get up and talk about stuff that might not always be popular. But I'm going to, to do it from my voice that I feel like isn't being represented that way. Agreed. 100% agreed. I don't think there's a need to create a hostile environment. I think that a lot of people are still in this city and and everywhere making up making it up as they go along sure and just sort of taking other people's leads but there isn't like a set way you have to be and i, I i'm glad to see other people embracing that yeah and i think i've by having Chris help me book a show for the first half of this year and hosting this open mic and, and working kind of myself into a semi-leadership position because of my background in improv um i've done myself a service by kind of forcing some of the comics to approach me who might not have looked out for me um, if I didn't have something that I could offer them to. Um, because people want, to, I want to facilitate good comedy. I want to facilitate good people talking and, and having good conversations. And there are so many talented folks. That begs the question, why am I here? Uh, I needed a guest. I'll be honest. <laughs> no, I, uh, you were early on um, when I, I had done seven mics in 2014 and I did a few at the beginning of this year, but kind of dropped off and did improv. And then, was about to do the movie, and Kevin was on summer vacation, and he wanted to start doing open mic comedy, and I just said, all right, I've been writing this whole year. I've been writing in my notebook, so I was like, I, I've got enough that I think I can get by with, and you invited us to sit at your table with Liz. And like I was like, oh, we're in the cool comedy table in the back <laughs> uh, with an insect. So uh, that was really kind of like, oh, all right, well, these people are are my types of people. They're friendly, and when guys like Harry would come up to me and tell me I had a good set or, you know, Molly Sherrill and Shannon and I had a really good conversation this week. Um, It's nice when there are these types of comics who they see that you're coming out and you are respectful of the art. You're not somebody who's up there going, these comics are the worst. And, you know, because there are people who do that at open mics too. And you're like, how is that going to benefit anybody? Just, (laughs) just do your stuff. Um, And obviously having Chris live with me was certainly influential as well. But, um, people have already heard us talk about each other the week before your episode will air. So, uh. <laughs> I like Chris. I do too. And that's actually, I, that's one of my favorite stories is I think Chris is a great, at least my interactions with Chris provide a wonderful illustration for how a uh, hostile, toxic environment uh, can be a huge detriment because I think Chris is someone who, you know, he's very has a very individual voice as at least a person, if not also a comic, you know, and I don't know that 
I think there are people that he has rubbed the wrong way or people who just don't see his point of view and have given him, uh, you know, a hard time. And he was on the scene long before long, us. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, he, he already sort of knows, knows. This is a fun Chris story that I, I think this is a great venue for uh, me to tell. I saw him at Pleasure Bar. It was a roast. I want to say it was for Dan Genesis, who was leaving and Krish was on it, and um, I was very drunk, and for the first and only time in my life, and I approached Krish. That and you were drunk? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I, I said, I don't really clearly remember what I said, but it was something to the effect of like, oh, you know, that was, that was, that was a good set, or, or whatever, you know, like, I liked, I liked your, and his response was, you know, careful newbie, I've seen your material, uh, and I think that he thought I was being sarcastic or something. And I don't really remember what I said or how I said it. So it's very likely that it came off that way. Uh, you know, but basically through the environment, you get sort of trained in a Pavlovian sense. Sure. That that is your reaction when anyone approaches you, that you have this sort of persona that you have to remain detached. Um, and it's really nice uh, that Chris is someone that... Uh, I was able to actually form a bond with and, you know, become relatively uh, close or friendly or whatever word uh, with. And I think he's a lovely human. And I think that sometimes the harshness of the scene can bring out traits in people that aren't really there. Well, Chris is not a, I've told this to him, but he's not a fun comic. He's not up there doing like punchline yuck, yuck jokes. He's talking about bigger social issues. Mm -hmm. And it's an interesting approach to how he does it, and he does it in a fun manner. Um, but when you, especially in an open mic format, are only seeing these five-minute chunks of it, it's tough to get a feel for the total story that he's trying to tell versus when you get to see him do a feature set or a headliner set. Absolutely. I, I think I think people tailoring their sets to open mics is sort of counterintuitive, which I'm trying not to repeat words, but everything is counterintuitive, isn't it? Wouldn't it all have to be? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I think going into it with the idea of, but it's it's hard to get in that mindset of I'm building up a much larger concept you know, to to be that dedicated to be. Um that focused on the big picture instead of saying there are six people here, which I fall into the habit of all the time of just trying to entertain the people there. Uh, and then I guess there's a, what a third camp, uh, that's just, you know, people who don't really care about either and are just like, Oh, I'm just doing me. <laughs> that's Kermit. I don't know. That was a good. I don't, yeah. I don't know who that was. That's an interesting frog. Like that's a weird. That's a weird voice. Big picture. What's what do you see as your goal for the next year, next five years? What do you want to get out of this career? And I will use career because I do think that's what you're headed for. Are you going to hire me? Is, I, <laughs> is uh, this a job interview? I have no jobs for you. I'm I'm appreciative that you got me a job today, a non-pay job, but an opportunity to host. At a music venue, or again, I'm semi-nervous for this because I don't think these people are there to see us. No, so not at all. It'll be more how can how can I fill this five to ten minutes while they're changing over equipment? Yeah, I think it's just keeping the energy up and talking about the band as they break 
as, as they break down. Yeah. And, uh, you know, maybe if they require psychiatric assistance from the breakdown. See, and I'm hoping to just do corny jokes and have the drummer ready <laughs> for up. I think they have one, one kit upstairs. I've been following an email thread. Okay. But I, I think it's a great gig, and I think it's, it's just going to be so much exposure. Yeah, it's absolutely. Awesome. And Lawrenceville is going to be very raucous tonight. Yeah, rock which all should night. be fun. Rant. I, 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 next year, I want to. I want to expand from Pittsburgh. I don't necessarily want to get out of Pittsburgh, but I definitely want to go other places and build connections and try and, you know, feel that out. Um, you know, I, again, and this is just where I am and who I am, and I probably shouldn't say this, you know. We can always because, edit it out. Yeah, it's not not the nicest thing to say, but I feel like in this city, I think it's been made very clear to me that there's really not room for me um, and that the people who make the decisions about who gets on shows and who gets to open, you know, for example, at the improv or whatever or you know, any of that, have decided that I'm not for everyone and have decided that, you know, and and that's fine. And, you know, you can just, I can rationalize it to myself that there are these other people who are just like stuck in a generic way of thinking. And then, you know, but from their point of view, obviously they're looking at me and they're thinking, well, he's just not very consistent or he's not good or he's too weird or something like that. And we can rationalize these decisions we make. It's, I think, especially for the improv, it's a draw level for, for a lot of it. They're looking for people who can put butts in seats, yeah. and you may be a little bit too fringe for those types of audiences that are, you know, walking around and happen to see, oh, I'll pop in. Because it's like a strip mall outdoors, basically, at the waterfront. Oh, yeah. Not everybody goes in with the mindset of seeing a comedy show. They just happen to need a bite to eat sometimes yeah. in those Ooh, I wouldn't. I would not recommend buying food at the improv it's That's not a cheap cheap meal no not uh, at all but you can get your two beverages covered if you buy a bucket of beers for 36 bucks for three people that covers two items for everybody Ugh. if you do if you like beer i know you only got drunk that one time um no it's just the 36 dollars that's six dollar beers but five years um would wow five years down the line i would it'd be excellent to have a consistent job and make money performing, but I don't, I don't know if that's a possibility. I've, uh, that's always been an issue is you have to visualize your own success. And I have a real issue doing that. It's very hard for me to do that. So, I mean, if in five years I haven't seen any advancement, but like I say, I have, I have this mic, I'm, I was, you know, doing the rant thing tonight. There are people who like and support me. So if I can parlay that into something larger, you know, I have the, the podcast Ian and Sucked is Evil on the Epicast Network. It's your boy. Any other plugs? Because we are in the wind down phase yeah. of the interview. I feel like we've been in the wind down phase for about twenty minutes. <laughs> Am I right? The wine and dine phase. Fantastic. Where are we going after this? Uh, we need to get a bite to eat before we perform. That's gonna so. be mm, so delicious. Maybe they, do they serve food at Spirit? Yeah, it's Pizza Spot. I think they do pizza there. Awesome. Um, free pizza cool it's any questions i always ask the guests any questions for me before we finish up you're always supposed to come to an interview prepared with three questions of your own interesting uh, okay and you have nothing written on that piece of paper because i took your piece. pen from you <laughs> uh so um i guess my first question is uh 
what 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 growth do you see occurring uh, for your organization? Uh, the Garrett Teitelbaum Improv Mayor yeah. brand. TM, TM. Circle R. <laughs> uh, I guess, okay, here's actually a legitimate question that grows from that. Okay. Uh, you obviously did the movie, and that was sort of, you know, a one-off or whatever you want to say. Uh, are you looking to try that avenue of acting? Um, I would look for other parts. I liked kind of playing this character and getting to that person's head a little bit um, and developing that over the six weeks of shooting that film this summer. Um, Craig quits his day job. So, uh, yeah, I would be open to more acting stuff, but honestly, I've wanted to really focus on stand-up for a long time. And I dipped my toe into improv last year. That's how I kind of forced myself into this whole world a year and a half ago. And so I'm at a point now in improv where I'm on a team, I perform regularly, that's good and it's helpful and it keeps me fresh. But if I want to focus on stand-up, I want to be at these mics on a weekly basis, on a daily basis. I will like doing the new room at Nico's on Wednesday. I like looking for opportunities to do these longer showcasey type shows during the week. So I'll be doing Joking Off coming up and I'll be doing... Uh, the new show with Epicast guys. Uh, the day is launching at Black Forge Coffee. Mm. Um, and I'm looking for those types of mics to get on. So um, I really do. I want to focus on stand-up now. If an acting opportunity came up, great. But it's not what I'm focusing my energy towards. This is what I want to build now. I want to have a half hour by the end of this year. Um, and I would like to continue to write and, and, and work out these bits. I'd like to spend more time writing them i feel like i have a lot of ideas and then i try and develop them on stage um and i go back and i listen to my tapes and stuff but spending you know an hour a day or two tapes? hours a day um, are you recording on reel to reel acetate oh yeah yeah yeah. no you don't see it because i keep it in the back of the next God, to the sound and then boards. and that's where your albums come from so it's aad yeah i'm selling my albums after the show <laughs> ridiculous this is a question too i've three questions oh go ahead you can ask so, two more what is what do you think is the prettiest uh, thing about me <laughs> I think that you are well, in your how to kill a mockingbird t-shirt with a cat reading a book <laughs> is pretty so funny cute. that is if you're looking for the cutest thing about you today that might be it um, I just think you're a fun affectionate human being and I like having a friend who is so confident in who they are even if like all of us you second guess yourself every minute of every day and you're self conscious too you don't show it to the outside world until you get to know you better. Mm. Um, but I just like the um, constant battle of wits that you are attacking the world with. <laughs> what? Does that make sense? <laughs> I I'll, I'll go with it. Okay. I'll take that. Um, uh, and final question. Uh, we are born into this world with people it is a necessity to survive um so do you think that we are social by nature or do you think that we learn to be social and dependent on other people out of survival instinct it's a great question i think it's probably a hybrid of both because obviously the goal is to build your tribe your team your group of your pride of lions whoever you're out there Dude, attacking the world with. That's, that's Cecil stuff is so hack. Uh, <laughs> uh, 
if it was a Lion King or if, if anything. I'm trying to keep topical, you know, mm-hmm. in today's Ace day of base. Yeah, all Lion that she King. wants was another baby. Um, trying to build more people. Um, my ultimate yeah, goal, yeah, I like surrounding myself with the best type of people, people who are supportive, people who want you to do well, and people who are in the swive. You know, the people who, they have your back no matter what. I, can, I don't consider myself somebody who has a lot of friends. I know a lot of people, but I have family. I have people that I consider to be a part of. I don't have an improv mayor. Uh, may, what, Improvville? The people that the committee. oversee. The committee, yeah. Um, the, the constituents. The cabinet. I have my cabinet of, of trusted advisors on different topics. Um, but, yeah, ultimately I think that's what I look for from social network. Uh, networks and social social cues from other people. I want to surround myself with people who do want to support and can joke and riff and have a fun time. And at the end of the day, life is far too serious to be taken seriously. Fair. So you might as well. I have one goal every day, and it's to wake up and have fun. And I like being with people who get that and don't worry about the serious nature of the world all the time and we can talk about those topics and they are important but as long as we can joke around and have a good time you know my personality in life is the same personality i'm trying to cultivate on stage i'm your fun uh cousin i'm the person in your family who you want to go get drinks with when they come into town i just but you're not going to stay around long uh, I'd visit for a couple of days. I'd, I'd crash on your couch. I'll definitely eat your food if you're willing to take me out for dinner, that sort of stuff. Um, I am very hungry. Yeah, why don't we go grab a Stay bite? hungry, Garrett. Stay hungry, stay humble, and hustle. You have been listening to Unplanned Comedy Pods, a podcast collective.